Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God. Come on, let's give the Lord a wonderful praise. Bless Him. Come on, you can do better than that. He's worthy of praise. Bless God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is so good to see each and every one of you. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced. And I'm so glad to be here with each and every one of you. Just smile at someone on your right or on your left and tell them, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in town. Go ahead and tell them. (laughs) That's the truth, isn't it? We are grateful that the Lord has blessed us to come and to share once again His family. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? I shall call your attention to 2 Kings chapter 21. 2 Kings chapter 21, beginning at the 10th verse, and I shall read down till the 17th verse. Here begins the reading of the word of the Lord. And the Lord said by his servants the prophets, because Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these abominations and had done things more evil than all that the Amorites did who were before him. And has made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Jerusalem and Judah such disaster that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plumb line of the house of Ahab. Plumb line being a measuring apparatus with a weight that hangs from a string to measure the vertical balance. He says, I will bring about the plumb line of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one who wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of my heritage and give them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies, because they have done what is evil in my sight, and have provoked me to anger since the day that their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides the sin that he made Judah to sin, so that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and the sin that he committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So far the reading of God's word. Will you pray with me, beloved? Father, thank you now for this, your beloved and my dear ones, that under the sound of my voice I thank you from the depths of my heart for the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility to stand before such a great people. Would you guide our hearts now? Would you teach us from your word? Give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text. Help your servant to teach in such a way that even the youngest amongst us would be able to embrace the powerful truth and the revelation that is given to us through Scripture. And Lord, you know, we'll be careful to give you all of the adoration and the praise. I exalt you and extol you. There's none like you. I love you with all of my heart. We together pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people shout amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Be seated in the presence of the Lord, if you will. We're continuing our series that our beloved pastor has been leading us in. Pastor Lance Hahn has been leading us in the series, The Year of the King. The Year of the King. Pastor Lance, Pastor Brian, Pastor Matt, all have uh, shared some things with us that are helping us to understand what oftentimes is referenced as some difficult passages of Scripture. If it were not for the leadership that God has blessed us with, we would be subject, as many are in many congregations, to those who refuse to teach anything from passages that seem difficult, where the narrative may 
lend itself to being very historical. There are some who discount that and write that off and state that it is not necessary for us to read those things or it's not beneficial to us. For there are some who erroneously believe that Jesus only appears and is present and is relevant from the book of Matthew to Revelation. But we here at Bridgeway, as we have studied the Word of God for several years, many of you even beyond my coming here, you're realizing that Jesus is found in every book of the Bible. You can see the work of Christ from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So it is certainly helpful and a wonderful commentary that our, our leadership here leads us, takes us into deeper truths that are found even within the Old Testament. Even the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, states this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6, that the Old Testament believers and the things that they did, it serves to us, for us, as examples, so that we would not desire to do evil as they did. So we look... To the Old Testament, we look to Israel, we look to the children of Israel as to enable us to learn from their examples. I tell people there are just some things I don't have to experience myself. I just learn from others who set the example for me. I, I, I've never smoked crack in my life, but I know it's bad for you. You understand? Uh, that, that's not my testimony. Now, for some, that's their testimony. But I, and I thank God that you have been delivered from smoking crack. But now I don't need to go and test it out to see will it work for me. I can learn from the examples that are set for us within the Scriptures. And as it were, by way of introduction, Pastor, in his last uh, teaching to us uh, the week before last, uh, he shared with us that uh, Hezekiah, who leads in Judah, would be considered to be one of the best of the best. One of the best of the best. Remember, he's laid out for us that there were some good kings, some bad kings, and some complicated kings. And uh, we, we find that Hezekiah, who leads in the southern kingdom, who led in Judah, God used him to bring about reformation, to lead Judah in some dynamic ways. Now, he got a little off track. He got a little off track towards the end of his life. His ministry or his reign was not as effective. But God yet used him. That's good to know. And Hezekiah, if he's to be considered to be one of the best of the best, I submit to you, brothers and sisters, that his son, Manasseh, whom we're studying today, he is considered to be one of the worst of the worst. I mean, he... We're going to see in a moment, and we just read some passages that alluded to it and actually stated it outright. He is a pretty bad guy. He does some pretty bad things. He is the worst of the worst. And yet, God gave Manasseh the longest reign of any Hebrew king, either in the northern or the southern kingdom. He would rule for 55 years. 55 years. Yet, he accomplished almost nothing. What a sad state of affairs to be in a role and to be given responsibility and to lead this long and yet you accomplish almost nothing. That was the story of Manasseh. In fact, when it boils down to as we unpack this, we'll see that even his repentance before God did not stay the hand of God's judgment upon his people. Things got so bad under the leadership of Manasseh that there was uh, collateral damage. There was damage even though God allowed him to be restored. So much bad had been done. It will lead to the people being taken into the entire nation because of Manasseh's sin being taken into captivity. For the nation practiced idolatry worse than that of the Canaanites. The people who did not even serve God. They did not believe in Yahweh. And yet, God's people who knew Yahweh began to do things worse than even the Canaanites themselves. 
Manasseh would be the one who would reestablish ancient shrines in the, of the pagan gods and build new ones uh, within the courts of the Lord's temple. And all of this happened. You would think there would be no hope for this man because of the wickedness and the evil that is in his heart. And God's love will extend to him as to allow him to have a second chance. Now, I don't know about you, but I am glad that our God is a God of second chances. I've got about 15 of you that will say, I'm glad he's the God of third chances. And another 200 that say, I'm glad he's the God of four chances, and so on. He is indeed the God of second chances. The king of second chances. If you take your brochure that you received when you came in this morning, there's a fill-in there. And if you take your writing apparatus and please write this word in, if you will, please. God's grace. That's your fill-in. God's grace is extraordinary. God's Grace is extraordinary. Remember, we've talked about the definition or the distinction or the contrast between mercy and grace. Some tend to just kind of lump it into one. They say mercy when they really mean grace, or they say grace when they really mean mercy. Mercy is distinguished in the fact that it is God holding back that which we deserve. That which we do deserve. But God in His love, He holds it back based upon His mercy. Grace is God releasing towards us, allowing it to come freely Without any merit of our own, it's God releasing all of that towards us, despite the fact we don't deserve it. He gives His children grace and mercy. He holds back what we do deserve, and He releases what we don't deserve. Isn't that good news? He pours that out towards us. That's why I love to just reflect on the fact that every day I've got two buddies that hang out with me, goodness and mercy. Follow me all the days of my life. Every day I've got some backup, goodness and mercy. God's mercy, His grace, and His mercy is with us every single moment. Look with me over in Second Chronicles chapter 33. Let's go there. And for you that are as old as I am or a little bit older and you remember Paul Harvey, let's look at the rest of the story. Let's see what we have here as we unpack this and helps us to understand what's happening in the passage that we just read when we were standing to our feet. It'll give us a little bit more information about King Manasseh. In Second Chronicles 33, beginning at verse 1, let me read for you and you follow. Manasseh was 12 years old, just a lad. He was 12 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high... Uh, places that his father Hezekiah had broken down. There were things, remember, Hezekiah had torn these false idols, these false worship uh, idols down, and notice here his son comes along and rebuilds it. And he uh, erected altars to the bells and made Ashereth, again these are all images of false gods, and worshipped, watch this, all the host of heaven and served them. He worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. Now, many instances in the Bible, let's stop for a moment, when we see hosts of heaven, it is a reference to the angelic spirits or the angelic beings of God. And when it speaks of the angelic host, in this reference, it is not a reference to angels. In fact, it speaks of just what it, how it is translated, uh, that Manasseh 
and later also subsequently the people, they began to worship the stars. They began to worship the stars. They began to look at the elements of the stars and began to get interpretations of those stars, what they mean and how it was impactful upon their lives. It's what we would call today astrology. It's the same thing as the person uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a believer. Uh, she approached me and she says, Bishop, when is your birthday? And I said, my birthday is March 29th. And she says, oh, you're an Aries like me. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. I am absolutely not an Aries. I am a child of the living God. I'm a son of God. I I can see you all didn't really respond too well to that because some Libras and some Sagittarians and all it. But we don't do that. We, we, We don't do the signs and the, and the horoscope. Come on, somebody. That, that, that's not a part of believers' lives. We, we don't look at our horoscope for the day to find out how our day is going to be. We go to the Word of God to find out how our day is going to be. We don't do horoscopes. We don't do signs. Don't ask me what sign I am. I'm the sign of the cross. I'm not an Aries. I don't do that. We don't do that. Come on. Reach around your neck and pull that little necklace off. Come on, children. They, Manasseh, began to worship the host of heaven. And he served them. Verse 4. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord has said... God had said, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Notice where his mind is. And then worst, in verse 6, he burned his own sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Notice how... Evil and wickedness has crept into his mind that even the innocence of children who cannot defend themselves is subject to the wickedness and the evil disposal of this man's mind. The nation follows suits after it. The people have become complacent about it. They're just kind of allowing it to be. And just going with it. So notice here that he burned his own sons. Most commentators have suggested that his sons may have been at an age that they could not even defend themselves. He burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom and used fortune telling and omens and sorcery and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. These are warlocks and witchcraft. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And he carved the image and the carved image of the idol that he had made, he set in the house of God, of which God said to David, the very house that God had proclaimed to David and to Solomon, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all of the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that I appointed for your fathers. But God says it is conditional. If only they will be careful to do all, not some, that they would be careful to do all, not some, that they would be careful to do all that I have commanded them, all the law, all the statutes, and all the rules given through Moses. God says, as long as you follow what I'm telling you to do, Children, it shall be well with you. If you do what I tell you to do, it shall be well with you. When you try to get into your own strength, your own ability, your own power, you got this. You know how we say, I got this. And how many of you know God will let you have it? <laughs> He'll let you have it. And that was the attitude. We, we, we got this. And Manasseh, verse 9, led Judah 
and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil, watch this, than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to the people, but they paid no attention to God. What a sad state of affairs. What a sad commentary. The Lord spoke to Manasseh. The Lord spoke to the people and they paid no attention. Can I tell you something? When God judges, He judges right. No one will ever be able to say, if God allows judgment to come, no one will ever be able to say, I was completely caught off guard. I did not see it coming. Oh no, God will always give warning. He will give correction. God will speak to us, and I'm finding out every day He speaks to us. Every moment God is speaking to us. In fact, He doesn't just speak to us within the four walls of this beautiful auditorium. He speaks to us in our car. He speaks to us on our job. He speaks to us in school classrooms. He speaks to us when we're driving down the freeway. He speaks to us everywhere. But are we listening? Are we listening? The Word of God says that God spoke to Manasseh. God spoke to the people, but they paid no attention. Verse 11, Therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. Stop right there. What happens? Because of the disobedience of Manasseh, he is taken into prison. He is held in captivity. Now, I am so glad that the story for us does not stop there. Because if it stopped there, although we could leave here and learn from the lesson, it would leave us with only a part of the message. Because we're going to find out in a moment that God had something for him in the midst of that prison. In the midst of that bondage, God did something in this man's life. God is always speaking even when we are disobedient. He is speaking to us. The Bible says in verse 12, And when he was in distress. And when he was in distress. He entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. I want you to see how Manasseh is in the midst of God shifting his heart. God does something in this wicked man's heart that causes him to say, I'm going to turn from what I'm doing and turn to the Lord. In his distress, he called upon the Lord. Will you write this down, please? Please write this down. Disobedience leads to frustration. Disobedience leads to frustration. Whenever we are disobedient to God's voice in our lives, whenever we're disobedient to the Lord speaking to us, it will always leave us in a state of frustration. I must be completely honest with you. I am most frustrated when I'm not moving in the will of God. I am most frustrated. It seems that nothing is going right when I'm not walking in fellowship with God. When I am missing the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Now... For about a minute and a half, we're going to go into some deep waters. So put your life preserver on and float with me. Here we go. I am convinced that the modern day contemporary, particularly the Western church, has done a disservice to God's people in leading people to believe that when we sin or when we are not obedient to God, we should feel no shame or guilt. There are some people that actually teach that shame and guilt is not a good thing. And I submit to you, no, we should not ultimately camp out 
and stay planted in shame, in guilt. But I do believe that as my uh, little mentee and my successor, uh, Pastor Joseph Cisack over at Center of Praise would say, he says that shame and guilt is an appropriate response to sin. Let me walk it slow like we're on Sesame Street. Let's try it again. It is an an appropriate, it is an appropriate response that when you and I fall short and we sin and are disobedient to God, we should feel shame and we should feel guilt. It ought not to be that we would just take the classic hymn and distort it. I was sinking deep in sin. Whee! When we sin, I said when we sin, come on. When we sin, when we miss the will of God, when we're walking in disobedient, it is appropriate for us to feel frustrated, to feel guilt, to feel shame. Because ultimately, it is that distress that causes me to call upon God. It is my frustration that causes me to call upon God. I have found that there are times that God will allow me to be in a holding pattern where nothing is working right. I'm in a holding pattern and nothing is going the way I was hoping it would go because God says you're going to stay right here because in the midst of this prison, in the midst of this frustration, in the midst of this shame, I'm going to teach you something. And when it's all over, you will call upon me. You will seek me. I like what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 and verse 71. It was good that I was afflicted. It was, oh my, what did he say? It was good that I was afflicted. Say what? It was good that I was afflicted that I might know and learn the statues of my God. Do I have anybody in here and say some of the things that you have learned in life? that have kept you on the path, have been after you have messed up, after you have sinned, after you have fell, but when you, like the prodigal son, came to yourself, you went back to your father's house. My God. It's there that God begins to teach us. That's what he did for Manasseh. Manasseh in his distress began to call upon the Lord. He humbled himself before the Lord. Verse 13, watch this. He prayed to God and God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Did you catch that? He prayed to God. God was moved by what he was saying and not just by what he was saying, but ultimately by what he would do. And he was brought again into Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Manasseh knew That the Lord was God. You see, dear ones, can I tell you this? Let me word it to you like this. One cannot fully appreciate, one cannot fully appreciate grace until we acknowledge our sin. When we acknowledge, God, you are right and I am wrong. God, you are, I am weak and you are strong. When we acknowledge, God, you know, and I don't know. God, you reign, and I follow. When we acknowledge our sin, then we can fully embrace the grace of God. He prayed, and God brought him into a place that he knew that the Lord was God. Write this down. Obedience leads to dedication. Obedience leads to dedication. For you see, in disobedience, we're not dedicated. Oh yeah, we still come into the church. We still come here and get our seat. We still park our cars. We still go through our classes. We do all the things we do. But we can be in disobedience and still do all those things. Let me say it again. One can go through the motions 
and still be in disobedience. I'm particular. I can even know how to lift my hands and say hallelujah and still be in disobedience. See, when we are in disobedience, it will frustrate you. But obedience will bring dedication. Obedience will bring you into a place that we're not just saying I'm sorry. See, some folks say I'm sorry, but they're saying they're sorry because they got caught. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person sitting next to you. Some people can say they're sorry, but they're not really sorry. That's being sorry is not repentance. Let me say it again. Being sorry is not repentance. You can cry and not repent. You can go through a box of clinics and not repent. Repentance is not merely saying, I'm sorry. Watch this. Repentance is turning and doing what God told you to do. Repentance is saying, Lord, not my way, but your way. That's what begins to happen with Vanessa. Notice the next verse in verse 14. Afterward, now notice how repentance works. Repentance begins to demonstrate Works of righteousness. Repentance begins to show, Lord, I've turned. See, when I turn from being disobedient, I begin to turn to being obedient. I repent and I move into obedience. Now I'm dedicated and now I begin to do what God is honored with. What pleases the Lord. Verse 14. Afterward, he built an outer wall for the city of David, west of Gihon. In the valley and for the entrance into the fish gate and carried it around Othel and raised it to a very great height. He also put commanders of the armies in all the fortified cities in Judah. And he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord. Did you catch this? Now, did, did you catch this? It says he took away the foreign gods and the idols. He, he took away... In, 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 in disobedience, he brought the idols. In obedience, he took away the idols. In disobedience, he brought the false gods. In obedience, he removed the false gods. Did you catch the contrast here? He begins to do the opposite of what he was doing. Let me say it again. He does the opposite from when he was disobedient. Now he begins to do the very opposite by being obedient. Watch this. He takes away the false gods, the foreign gods from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord. And notice here, uh, uh, the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And he threw them outside of the city. Notice in disobedience, he brought them into the city. But in obedience, he takes them outside of the city. Verse 16. He also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving. And he commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Oh my goodness. He says, now... We're going to get this cleaned up. Now, ultimately, ultimately, though he will do these things, remember, Israel, or Judah rather, will still be carried into captivity. But the thing that is powerful about this is the restoration of the man's heart. Watch with me on this. It's interesting that he would give peace offerings. Or some translations translated as fellowship offerings. Of the three major offerings that we see in scripture, the, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering. What is distinct about the peace offering is that unlike all of the other offerings, the peace or the fellowship offering of the three, that was the only offering that the one who was presenting the gift could also be a partaker of the gift. For the first day, And the second day, they could eat of some of the meat that was offered up before the Lord. They could partake in it. That's the peace offering. That's that peace means whole. It means complete. When you and I are in obedience to God and we turn to the Lord and we repent, He gives peace. Not frustration. He gives peace. The Prince of Peace brings peace. The one who is ultimately, Paul says in Ephesians, our peace offering. He gives us 
peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So notice here, they bring these peace offerings before the Lord and they sacrifice them before the Lord. Now, I'm going to say one more thing about these offerings and I wish I had more time to unpack that because it's so powerful when you begin to look at the different offerings that Israel would offer up before the Lord. It's so rich, some of the rich imagery that is there. But this is the one thing I want to say. Each offering was very distinct in what was offered to God. It wasn't just all bunched together and you just give God anything and everything. There was a certain way that you approached God. There was a certain thing that you offered God in each particular offering. That's why I cringe... I cringe when I go into a worship service and you'll hear some people say, just worship the Lord in your own way. Just worship the Lord in your own way. May I say something to you? That may not be the best instruction. For some folks, when you say that, it's their cue to do nothing. They sit there and look. This is my own way. I'm going to say something to you, and this might shock some of you in the house. You don't worship God in your own way. You worship God in the way He wants to be worshipped. Oh, I'm going to shake you up, Bridgeway. That's that's part of the thing that we have to work through in the house of the Lord. That God is going to call for some things and it's going to move us past our comfort zone. It's going to move us past our emotions or what we feel. You may not feel like clapping your hands, but when the command goes out, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. It would behoove you to clap your hands. It would behoove you when the king is moving in the house and he says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. It would behoove us to lift up our heads when the king of kings is manifesting himself in a powerful way within the walls of this room. It would behoove us when he says, everybody, it's floor time. Hit your knees. You can't afford to sit in your seat. We've got to respond to the Holy Spirit. We've got to respond to what he is doing. Oh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, sir. It ain't worship God in your own way. It's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit that when we're in our car driving here, we're saying, Lord, what do you want to do in the house today? How do you want to move in the place today? Who, who needs to be set free in the place today? See, I, I don't know about y'all. We, we, we don't have time to play churchy games up in here. We ain't got time to go through little churchy games and you look at me and I look at you and we fold our legs and cross our arms. There's somebody that's in this room right now that has been addicted to drugs and this is their last hope. They have come here today expecting that maybe God can help me. Maybe God can help my can't help it. Maybe God can set me free from this. And when we come in here, we have to be on fire for the Lord. We have to have a passion for God so that the minute they sit in there seats. The chains are broken. The yoke is destroyed. The monkey has got to get off of their back because the power of the Holy Spirit is in this place. Come on and give God a praise. Ah. You got marriages in here that are struggling. You got husbands and wives that came to church today and they were fighting in the car. Make me sick. And then the minute they get in the foyer, how y'all doing? Blessed. We blessed. Come on, children. I need you to tap three people around you and say the Holy Spirit is here. Come on, say it. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. He's here to set captive free. He's here to deliver minds. He's here to take us to another level. He's here to bring us to a place of peace. I'm almost through, y'all. Great God. Make me preach myself happy. Great God. Come on and give God a praise right here. We're almost done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Beloved, write this down. Repentance will always lead to restoration. Oh, my God. 
Repentance will always lead to restoration. I, I told somebody, I was preaching at a church last weekend, three services, and I told them in each service, I said, you know what? I said, y'all, and never, many of them have never been up here. They, they're way out in Elk Grove. I said, truth be told, Bridgeway Christian Church in Roseville sees more miracles, signs, and wonders by default. <laughs> by default, than some churches go after on purpose. That's true. There are more things that God does in this place. And truth be told, we haven't even got really intentional about it. We're still kind of like, well, I don't know if God still does that today. But maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Arm and joy got nuts. Mounds don't. What's going to happen, saints, when we get intentional about God? What's, what's going to happen when you and I get intentional? That the minute you sit down in your seat, you look around at the person sitting in front of you and back of you, and you just believe that God's going to do something that's going to cause them to leave different than the way they walked in this room. Come on now. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when you stop coming to church to get your blessing and you start coming to church to be a blessing? What's going to happen when we ain't got to beg you to go and put your hand on the shoulder and pray for somebody? It don't have nothing to do. I mean, you know, I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm just not comfortable. But you realize that the power of the Holy Spirit has chosen to use you. Not just who's standing here on this stage. But he has chosen to use you. Yes, you with your toe up from the flow up self. He has chosen to use us to be his vessels of deliverance and healing. Oh, I tell you, the best is yet to come, Bridgeway. Come on. I said the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I got to close. Let me close with verse 18. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer... To, and his prayer to his God and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, they are in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Verse 19, and his prayer and how God was moved by his entreaty and all his sin and his faithlessness and the sites of which he built high places and set up the ashram and the images before he humbled himself. Behold, they are written in the chronicles of the seers. So Manasseh slept. With his fathers. And they buried him in his house. And Aaron, his son, reigned in his place. I'm so thankful when I look at Manasseh's life. And I see the king of a second chance. I'm thankful. I'm reminded of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins. I said if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And not just forgive us, but cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. The last three services, I've been sneaking in over in this section right here during praise and worship. Because I'm the kind that even if I'm preaching, I, I still got to get in on some worship. You know, I, I, I can't just sit there and watch it and listen to it on the speaker. I got I to get out in this atmosphere. I gotta get where God's people are as we're lifting God up together. And so I'm out here and they were singing that last song. That last song. There wasn't a time that you were not there. There wasn't a time that you let me fall. Oh, y'all. When I started letting that song minister to me, as I was ministering it to God, I'm telling you the truth. You just about saw one of the good, best-looking 6'3 African-American men in your life. Tear that corner up over there. You hear me? I was having a Holy Ghost fit all by myself. Right in that corner. Why? Because I remember what the old saints used to say. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. When I think about where the Lord has brought me from, 
When I think about even in my disobedience, say something somebody. When I think about the fact that I was even in my disobedience, he wrapped his arms around me. He held me in the cradle of his care. He didn't let go of me even when I was running from him. He got a hold of my life. He held on to me when I didn't love myself. He helped me to love. Come on, y'all. You're going to have to excuse me, but I got to take 15 seconds and give God some praise for what he has done. Somebody help me praise him up in here. If you know he's the God of a second chance, give him praise. Somebody. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. He is. The king of a second chance. I don't care how far you have fallen. I don't care how messed up you are. God will start over again with you. He'll touch your life. He'll deliver you. Just turn from disobedience to obedience. And with that, we done. Give God a high praise. Hey! Glory to the Most High God. I said glory to the Most High God. I said glory to the Most High God. Stand to your feet. Oh God, I praise you. My God. See, some of y'all ain't ever seen me do my little two-step. But when I start praising God, when I think about what He's done, when I think about how He's got a hold of my life, When I think about even when I don't have it all together, He keeps holding on to me. He won't let go of me. He keeps holding on to me. When I run from Him, He keeps holding on to me. He keeps blessing me despite myself. Don't look at Him. You ought to give God a praise, somebody. Give God a praise. I said give God a praise here. Give God a praise here. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey as your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes Lord yeah can you say that with me come on I'll say I'll say yes Lord yes to your will and to your way I'll say yes Lord, yes, I will trust you. Come on, lift those hands and wave. Come on. As your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart and my answer and my answer will be yes, Lord. Come on, one more time, everybody. Come on. I'll say, I'll say yes, Lord. Yes, yes, God. To your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord. I will, I will trust you and obey as your spirit Speaks to me with my whole heart. I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord. Yeah, hallelujah. Prayer team, will you come? Prayer team, will you come? Lift your hands all over the room. Lift your hands all over the room. Lift your hands, babies, all over the room, children. Lift your hands. Father, we come to you, we come to you, we come to you. And we say, yes. Yes to your will, yes to your way. We say no to our flesh. No to what we want to do. We turn from disobedience to obedience. Cleanse us, oh God. Come on, call on them, y'all. Cleanse us, oh God. Cleanse us, O God. Wash us from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet. Put us on fire again for the things of God.
Oh God, ignite within us, Holy Spirit, that which says yes, completely yes, to all you want to do. We thank you for delivering us from every addictive habit, everything that's not like you. Satan, the Lord God, rebuke you now. Take your hands off of God's property in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off of people's minds, off of their hearts. Loose them and let them go in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. Fill us again, Holy Spirit. Fill us again, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Fill us again, Holy Spirit. Fill us again till we are all aflame for the things of God. And we'll give you all the praise and all the adoration. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a high praise. Come on, children. Hey. I'm, I'm going to go. Because in a minute, if I'm not careful, they're going to move them chairs and I'm going to run right through that exit door in the middle of Industrial Boulevard. Do you understand? Because I love God. I feel Him up in here. Now we got to take them out there. Come on, y'all. And love the people. And bless the people. The altar is open. If we can pray for you, you need healing, you want to receive Jesus, run on up here and let us pray for you. Now get on up out of here. I love you. Ain't a thing you can do about it. obey God. Just obey Him. Just turn to Him and obey Him. He's got you, okay? You're going to be just fine. 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 Just obey God. He's got you, okay? You're going to be just fine. Glory to God. Jesus, touch God. Progressively, every day, it's going to get better and better and better. And clearer and clearer and clearer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.